Amen. With your Bibles, I want you to please uh, stand if you have your Bible in your hand. We're going to get into the word of the Lord this morning. And I want to turn to the book of Romans, chapter 1, verse 16. Romans, chapter 1, verse 16 and verse 17. Praise God. I want to remind everyone that as a church, we're in our 21 days of prayer and fasting. This coming Saturday, we will be, uh, excuse me, this coming Friday, the 21st, excuse me, 21st of July, we'll be here from 10 p.m. till 6 a.m. seeking the face of the Lord. And I want to encourage you and those who are watching us on Facebook Live to encourage you if you can make it to be here. If not, um, be in prayer with us. We're believing that God is increasing our faith. Um, the Lord has really been addressing this ministry, and I believe the body of Christ, that he says in the book of Luke, will he find faith when he returns? And I don't know about you, but I want the Lord to know, you're going to find faith when you return. Amen. If you shall take me before then or the rapture, but you will find faith. Someone say, find faith. Find faith. Amen. Praise God. So the Lord just wants us to know that he's, he's so good to us. He just wants you to know his goodness. He just wants you to know that he's good. Amen. Amen. And so, therefore, um, we're going to look into his word. So I want to encourage you to be part of that as well. And then on the uh, Sunday, we're making plans to head to the queue up in Cleveland uh, to join some other radical, amen, God-fearing, God-loving individuals that are going to be crying out for this nation, crying out for the state of Ohio. There's been tremendous prophetic words that has been declared and hopefully today in the message, you'll see the importance of receiving the prophetic word and how your faith connects with that. There are four things we're going to look at today um, that I believe is going to launch you into your destiny. And uh, so we're going to begin the book of Romans chapter chapter one. I have some uh, great friends that are here with me, uh, our intercessors who intercede uh, for us and for this ministry and um, uh, Pastor Tim and his Beautiful wife Susan, they uh, they they move as the Holy Spirit leads them. So when they called and says we're coming, I um, said Holy Ghost, you got something for us. Amen, amen. So so them them being here, they 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 have a word. And so I uh, I called them and I said, Hey, I need I need to come preach on a Sunday for me. I said, Do you preach? So I asked them. I said, No, you're a prayer warrior. And he says, Oh yeah. And so God has opened some tremendous doors for them. And uh, we're just honored that God is revealing to us what he's doing in them, that we can be here to see it at, at, at the beginning of it. Amen. So they, they, are, they are warriors in the kingdom of God, and I appreciate them being here. Amen. I love them. I love them so much. So uh, their family, and they, again, they're with us this morning. So, all right. Are you ready for the word this morning? Come on. Are you hungry for the word this morning? Praise God. I can, I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for the day when we just read the word and shout. Now, we don't got to take 20 minutes or 45 minutes to get you to shout. We just read the word and the Holy Ghost just drop that in your spirit. And you're just like, ooh, God, that was good. Amen. I'm believing God. I'm believing you, Daddy, for that day that we just read the word and close the word and just, boom, get into what God has for us. So Romans chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, I'm reading from the King James Version, and it says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Now, you've got to have some boldness to make a statement like that. 
Here's the Apostle Paul in house arrest, amen, uh, for the gospel. And you would think he would change his tune. you think he would kind of just take it down a little bit. You don't have to be so radical, Paul. You know what I mean? Like, you're locked up. And he then declares, no, no, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Not the gospel of man, the gospel of Christ. It's a key word, not the gospel of Jesus, the gospel of the anointing. Amen. The Messiah, the Christos, as it says in the Greek. I'm not ashamed of the anointing of God. So that means as a church, God can have his way and we're not going to be ashamed to invite our friends to come and experience God. And so we tell our friends, we don't know what's going to happen. We just know God's presence is going to be there. Amen. That's what you need in your house. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Amen. When the kids are going crazy, you just need to say, God. I need your presence. Hit this child. Amen. In Jesus name. For it is the power of God. Someone yell power. Power. Ooh, the dunamis of God. The exousia. Unto sozo or salvation. To everyone. Hear that. To everyone that believeth. Or has faith. Or has trust. And then it says to the Jews first. And also to the Greek. And then where we're going to park it and, and, and unravel some things is verse 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. Ooh. Come on, put your Bibles down and clap your hands for Jesus. Come on, go ahead and clap your hands for Jesus. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Woo! Glory! Hallelujah! Oh, God! Mm-mm-mm-mm. Woo! You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. We're in the month of July, and our sermon series this month is Seated, Sleeping, and Storm. And as you will have it, the Holy Spirit is having me park it on the section of just being seated. St. Rowan, my people need to understand how to be seated in Christ. Because positionally, that's where you are, according to Ephesians chapter 2, verses 6, all the way to verse 8. That we're seated in heavenly places In Christ Jesus. I need for us to understand that. Because the enemy is trying to remove our position. He's trying to remove our position of authority. And so we have to be seated in Christ Jesus. So we can receive the revelation to see the reality. Because the Bible says that what is seen is not as real as what is not seen. So we're encouraged that the just shall live by faith, but it also says we don't walk by sight, we walk by faith. And so it's important that we are seated in Christ, seated in Christ. And we use as our text, we looked at Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and each one of the evangelists, they all captured by the Holy Spirit the event that took place when Jesus said, let's get to the other side. Mark writes about it. Luke writes about it, uh, uh, Matthew writes about it, 
And so it's important that we take a look at this because there's something in that that God wants us to understand how important it is that we are seated, that we are seated in Christ Jesus. And so as I was looking at that word, the Lord also told me, and he said, this fast that you're in is a fast that's going to bring financial breakthrough. Yes, it's going to bring restoration to our families. Yes, you don't want to miss Friday night. We're going to be spending time just believing God for breakthroughs to happen because God is good. And God loves you and I. Like he longs to give us breakthrough. So it's not like God's like saying, please beg me. He's like, I long to give you breakthrough. I need for you to come to me by faith. Because there's something about faith that we need to understand. And we're going to see the freedom of being in the righteousness of God. That's going to give us the freedom to ask God for things supernaturally. There's a freedom that a believer can live in. That will cause us to ask God for the supernatural. I mean things that don't even exist that you believe that God can cause us things to to exist. That's faith. Right? That's faith. And God wants us to be a people who are not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. But we're able to ask God for things. There's certain things that we have put on the shelf because we just don't think that God can do it. Now we won't say that. But we will act like that. And I'm here to tell you that God wants you to take that promise off the shelf. And he wants you to believe that God is well able to do it. Is well able to do it. Because we're going to see as we take a look at what God wants to expound to us uh, t- today. And so the three evangelists, as, as, they were, as, as they were teaching this about let's get to the other side. What they want us to know that as we grow in our knowledge of Jesus Christ... We also grow in our faith. As we grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, I want you to take, if you're taking notes, write this down. When you grow in the knowledge of Jesus Christ, you grow in understanding God's goodness and God's love for you. You grow in understanding that God is good and that is love. Romans says, what can separate you from the love of God? He gives some, some, some things that are possible. He says, and through all these things, none of those things, not principalities, not powers, not the sword, there's nothing that can separate you and I from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's a great place, right, to just have a praise break, right? Because I don't know about you, but I love it when Megan tells me, man, I love you, Ron. Thank you for doing those things, and I feel good about that. I feel great about that. But when I hear God, who is the creator of the universe, where scientists are still trying to find out if there's life on other planets. Come on, somebody. When they take the Hubble telescope and they look into the galaxies and their, their, their mind is mesmerized by the power of space. And God is saying, ah, that doesn't compare to my love for you. He simply said, let there be stars. And that was all he said. Just stars. And man is trying to comprehend one word from God. Stars. And man is trying to comprehend taking resources, building equipment, set it out in space just to try to understand one word from God, stars. So if they're trying to comprehend the expanding universe with just one word from God, which says stars. And on top of that, he says he knows the name of every single one of them. How much more you and I, his creation, when we hear the word God's love. (laughs) 
That ought to get you so excited. That ought to get you to shout. That ought to get you to tell the devil to shut up, to be quiet. Because God loves me. Perfect love cast out all fear. You walk in the perfect love of God. Come on. You are the apple of God's eye. He has his hands upon your life. God is good. Someone shout God is good. And he loves you. He loves you. So he encourages us. He wants us to grow in this knowledge of God's goodness and the knowledge that God loves us. And that requires faith because the Apostle Paul here tells us, he says, for the just shall live by fear. The just shall live. The just shall live by facts. (laughs) No, the just shall live by You can only either live by faith or you're going to live by fear. There's no in between. There's no neutral. I'm right in between here. It's either you're living by faith and you're pleasing God or you're living by fear and you're pleasing man. And if you live by faith, there's a fight involved. And it's a good fight of faith. And if it's fear, you're going to flight. You're going to run. Every single time a storm comes, every single time a lie from the enemy comes, we're going to flee. We're going we're gonna to take off because it's the fear of man. But when you live over here in faith, right, you understand that God then has established a truth that he's revealed because of the righteousness of God. Because the righteousness of God. And so we're going to take a look at this uh, uh, today. So, so the word faith, the word faith. And the Lord says, Ron, this time of prayer is to build your faith. It's to build your faith. And as Megan and I, as, we're, as we are fasting, and when God gives us a revelation of a truth, what we've been doing now is we're getting a communion, and we've been having communion based on that truth. We're like, oh, God, that was good. Break out the communion. And we're reminding ourselves, I'm going to get to this, of our covenant we have in Christ Jesus. The depth of this covenant, when you understand, I believe this morning, that God's going to give you a revelation of the covenant of God. And when you comprehend that covenant, then it'll make you a better citizen of these United States of America. When you understand the covenant and what God is doing in our nation and what God desires to do in this nation, you'll understand that the church truly is the institution that God has established for people to see great things happen and great things to manifest in our lives. And so this word faith then, the word faith primary can also mean the word persuasion. It's the word persuasion. We said he's supposed to have faith in God, not faith in faith or faith in man. Because natural man has faith in faith. I think it's going to work out. They're not acknowledging God. They're, work, they're acknowledging this humanistic thing that mankind is superior being. And so if I have faith in my own abilities, in my own belief system, it'll come to pass. And guess what? It's working for some people. They have faith in faith and it's working. It's producing certain things, right? But we're said have faith in God. And so that word faith in God means I'm persuaded. Someone say glory. glory. The word glory means to be weighted. It's the Hebrew word kabod, right? It's the word kabod. It's where the word ikabod, when it says the glory departed, that word ikabod. It, it's the weight of God. And so what happens is that when God speaks a word, it's weighty. So that means whatever opinion someone has stated, the kabat, the glory of God is weightier. So you, 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 you acknowledge the weightiness of God's word that is over and more powerful and persuades it more than the words of man. So when glory manifests and when we come together, it's an indication that you're saying, oh God, that word was wordy. It was heavy. 
it was heavy. Right. And it causes your posture to change that because you bow now in the presence of God. That's what in Isaiah six, it says the angel says glory to glory. They said glory to glory. They said the word is so weighty. Come on. somebody. That's why we need to be a church that's presence driven and not program driven so that the weightiness of God's word can come in. And we bow to man's agenda. We bow to man's opinion because the word you need to change your life is not coming through Pastor Rowe. It's coming through the God who speaks through Pastor Rowe. And it's the weightiness of that word that you says, oh, there's the glory. There's the glory. And that's what God wants us to understand. So there's a persuasion that needs to happen. Right. You need to be persuaded. That's the word faith means I'm convinced. Another word for us is there's a conviction based upon what I'm hearing, what I'm hearing. So the word faith is this conviction of truth. It is this belief. It is connected, when I mentioned earlier, to your relation to God. It is your conviction, your relation to Christ. Some people have taken this word and it's called it a community of faith, the people of faith. But what we're going to see today is how faith gives us access to the righteousness of God. And it reveals four things to us that is going to be the evidence that you are actually in faith. And I'm going to call that how to have strong faith. How to have strong faith, right? Are you with me? How to have strong faith. There's four things, and we see it in the story that I read earlier, that the evangelists, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all talked about how to have strong faith. And Jesus demonstrated this strong faith to us so we can understand that. Why, why do we need strong faith? We need it to live. But here's why. God has given you a prophetic word. And you need strong faith to be able to receive that prophetic word that your natural eyes don't see. But you have to believe that that's a word from God. Because here's the thing. God is not man that he shall lie. If God has spoken a word over your life, you need to have a grab a hold of that word. Because that word will come to pass. Here's why. Because you give God glory for that word. And people who are wondering, God, is my word going to come to pass? They'll see you giving God glory and it'll encourage them. They'll see you giving God glory and it'll encourage them. You give God glory. It'll encourage them to know that my word is next. That my word is next. Praise God. Praise God. And so this is what we, is what we need. So, so we looked at, at the Bible in Romans 10 says the word of faith that we preach and what we first and foremost preach is a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's the first thing. So the word of faith has to be connected to your relationship with Jesus Christ with nothing else. That's the first thing is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm here to tell you and encourage myself. I'm here to tell you a relationship with Jesus Christ is powerful. Like it's not just this. Oh, I have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It is an absolutely powerful, marvelous relationship with Jesus Christ that reveals an aspect of God that other religions can't relate to it. They can't comprehend how a God who is a divine as we talk about has the ability to have a relationship with us, his creation. I'm going to park just for a minute. Let that sink right down for a minute. The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with you and I. Let that just park there for a second. Just, just, just let that simmer a little bit. That he wants to have a relationship with us. Okay. So this is how brilliant God is. This, this, this is how, this is how awesome God is. 
He knows because of what sin has done to us. Sin has beaten us to the ground. It's brought condemnation. It's brought a sense of guilt and shame. Every time that they were bringing an animal and they were sacrificing, it never was enough to cleanse them totally of the guilt and the sin and the nastiness that went with being humanity. And they would go the next day, and they would go the next day, and they would go the next day. And even the Apostle Paul, who was a scholar of the law, said that all of that was still filthy rags before God. That it never got to a place where God was, was, was pleased with all this work. See, sin is a dangerous thing. And when the church teaches on sin, people misunderstand what we're talking to them about. They think we're trying to put more condemnation on you. We're trying to get condemnation off of you. We're trying to tell you don't stay under that bondage of sin anymore. Especially when that sin has been eradicated by the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Why would you step out into a thing that's clean to go right back into something that's unclean again? It doesn't make any sense. And God is saying, I paid the price. I sent my son to go ahead and to rid you of the condition of sin. Don't categorize sin. So what we do is we categorize sin so we don't feel as bad because we only lie and we're not doing this. And God is saying, no, when I talk to my prophets and when I talk in the New Testament, I talk about sin. It shouldn't empty the church. It should pack the church because people can come and say, whoa, this holy God wants to have a relationship with me. And he says, stop categorizing sin in your mind. He says the condition of sin he took away. Okay, God, how do I know that for sure? Well, the word of faith, the persuasion, the conviction causes you to step into a relationship with the Lord. Right? And I've taught this before, but I feel the Holy Spirit wants me to teach this again. You have to understand the word redemption or the word redeem. Right? And for those who've heard this before, please understand this. Right? So here it is that we were in this, this condition of sin. We were sold as slaves to Satan because of through Adam, right, what happened. That was our condition right here. You don't have to teach your child how to misbehave. They're just, just going to do it. That's just humanity. They, you have to teach them to do right. You don't have to teach them to do wrong. They're just going to do it. That's the condition. And so, so God now sees there's a separation. Remember, God didn't leave us. We left God. Please understand that. He, he didn't say, oh, I'm out of here. We left God. And so he now says, the enemy goes, how are you going to redeem? How are you going to bring them back, God? How are you going to do it? And so he sent Jesus down and Jesus comes, right? And he goes right to the marketplace, right where we are. And he comes right to the Agora, the marketplace. He says, okay, and here we are on the auction block. And the enemy said, who's the highest bidder? So he brings more things that brings pleasure. Who's the highest bidder? And so we sell ourselves to the highest thing that gives us pleasure. And he's sitting there right here. And Christ is right here, but we're still selling ourselves to the highest thing that brings pleasure. But, but he's right here. He's right here. And finally, he says, I have to redeem them. And he comes right to the marketplace, the first thing about redemption. And the second thing he says, what's the price? What's the price? And so he says, the price is your life. He says, okay, I'll give my life. He says, all right. He said, but he has, we're still in the Agora, though. So he's in the Agora, the marketplace, the place of sin. 
And he says, what's it going to cost? It's going to cost your life. He pays the price, but we're still there. We're still there. And so now he takes us and says, we've got to get out of here. I've got to translate from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. Watch this. The kingdom of darkness, but Christ is still working in the kingdom of darkness. Oh. That there's still a word. So no matter what it looks like in the natural over Marion, over your city, God is still at work in the place where it seems as most dark. The light of the gospel of Jesus Christ is still there. It looks like there's no hope, but I'm here to tell you, as long as Jesus is there, as long as Christ is there, there is life, there is hope. He's right here. I'm right here in the midst of your sin. And that's what baffles the mind of the religious folks is how in the world can a holy God come in the midst of an unholy situation? Because he's 100% God, 100% man. Ooh. And he now says, let me get you out of here. Someone say, I'm out of here. And you leave the condition of sin. But what we do now is we walk in the condemnation of sin. And so we have faith to believe that what God did, because we're hearing it over and over again. But what happens now is we get out of the condition of sin because people are categorizing sin. And so when I come into the corporate gathering, I'm not hearing freedom. I'm hearing condemnation. So therefore, I have to categorize the sin so I feel better than somebody else. And then what we do then is we gauge sin based on the category and fail to recognize the condition of sin. So the people come in who are condemned, we tell them, you're free from the condition of sin. Oh, are you serious? Yeah, but look what I'm doing. Come on, you have to believe by faith that you're in a relationship with Jesus Christ now. And what happened is this, that a generation of young people who are now young adults left the church because of religion, right? They left the church because of religion, but I'm here to tell you, you can't leave what you were never in. So what you did was, you didn't know how to deal with the condemnation. That religion was bringing to you. There's a difference between leaving a place of condemnation and rejecting the truth altogether. So many of the young people, and maybe you right now, you are not rejecting the faith. You are trying to walk under the condemnation of sin, trying to live out the faith. And so every time you hear sin, it automatically brings you back to that condition again and you feel condemned and you don't step out in faith because you think you're unworthy of it. You think that God doesn't love you and you're battling with that where God wants to bring you here, you're still here. And so he comes and gets you, just making sense. He gets you and he walks with you and he's coming with you. And here it is now that we are, we are condemned and we go and we're hearing this holy God and we have to teach holiness, right? I mean, we have to teach on holiness. I mean, we got to teach holiness because that's a characteristic of God, holiness. So I'm not going to dumb down holiness to make you feel good. I'm not going to not preach about the blood so you can feel comfortable. What I'm going to let you know is that you're no longer condemned because of your relationship with Jesus Christ. So when you understand and you're free from that, you welcome the holiness of God. You welcome the correction of God. You welcome, come on, you welcome the presence of God. Because you understand there's a dimension of faith that I got to get to. I'm going from faith to faith. And so Jesus now takes you and he moves you from the condition, but you walk into a place of condemnation. So God's like, okay, okay, what am I going to do? Not this is plan B. This was all part of the salvation or the soteriology or the sozo, right? And we have to teach this now because faith, in order for faith to produce the righteousness of God or for faith to bring about the revelation of God, you have to understand what righteousness really means. It means that even though I was in a condition of sin, Jesus came and he removed me and now I'm in 
the presence of God because I'm seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Not with them yet. I'm in Christ Jesus. I will be with them soon. But right now, I'm in Christ Jesus. And because I'm in Christ Jesus, I have a righteous. Oh. If Jesus then is at the right hand of the Father, and therefore I'm in Christ Jesus, therefore I must be right in the presence of God. How could I be in the presence of God when the condition of my sin keeps bringing condemnation to me? The answer is righteousness. He says, it's not that you're just standing right in front of me. That doesn't free of condemnation. It's when you come in front of him, you are free. Come on. You are free as if you've never sinned before. You are free because now you are his child. Because John chapter 1 says that to make them who believe, they become the children of God. Not born because mom and dad were in the mood. Come on, somebody. You are born because God says, I need you for my purpose. And you stand before God. Not just standing before the presence of a holy God. You stand before God knowing that you are free of guilt and shame. I'm not ashamed. I stand before God, not my righteousness, but his righteousness. And here's what happens if we don't teach faith. We get in that place and we feel good for the two-hour service that we're in. And all of a sudden, when everything disperses and everyone's gone, the enemy says, oh, you got nobody around now. Okay, so so look what you did last week. And we're like, one second, God. Come on, come on, I need Sunday to come again. Come on, come on. I need Sunday to come again. Come on, come on. And Sunday comes, okay, and I'm back up here like this. And God said, aren't you exhausted? Like, I'm not going back there. That's what God, like, I'm not going back there. God's like, I'm here. Like, it's finished on the cross. Like, I'm not going back there. And so we, we do this, right? And religion says this, and, and we do this, and, and we go back, and we do the marathon, right? Back and forth like this, like this. And we're missing what God is doing because we're not standing still and seeing the salvation of God. So he comes now, he takes us out, and here's what he has to do. Righteousness. You ready for this? The reason why we go back and forth is because the enemy has put a rope around us, and he pulls us back like this. And strong faith, watch this now, strong faith in our own, like this. (laughs) Mm, If I can just get there. Okay. And he pulls back again. And strong faith in our own ability, we do this. And we get stronger in our struggle. <laughs> and so then we just call it the dysfunction function. That's how everybody is. That's just how humanity is. And so we cause our struggle with humanity to become our identity. And we tell people, you'll never be free of it until you come in the presence of Jesus. Seriously? Until I die? That's when I'm going to be free? No, it says who the Son has set free is free indeed. So there's something I must be missing because it can't be God. There's something that I must be missing. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. Strong faith. We're going to talk about the four things, right? That, that strong faith does in righteousness that when we go like this, this is what the last word for redemption means. He cut the cord. And because of the power of the free will, if you go back there, it's because of your choice, not because of God's ability to keep you. Not because of his inability, I should say, to keep you. You make a decision, I'm going to go right back here again. So God is saying, leave the condition of sin 
and stay in my presence. And so here's the difference now, right? Here's the, so faith is a conviction, right? And so sin is the condition. Here's what he's saying. Understand my covenant. Covenant keeps it right here. Because covenant was meant by blood. Come on, somebody. Covenant means I got access to all that you have. Covenant. Covenant. Covenant will keep you from the condition of sin. I feel like running around this church. Amen. Come on. Slap your neighbor or high five them and tell them it's all, it's all about the covenant. It's all about the covenant. It's all about the covenant. My healing is where? In the covenant. My deliverance is where? In the covenant. My deliverance is in the covenant. My financial breakthrough is in the covenant. It's not in this condition of sin. It's not in the condemnation of my work. My freedom is right here. Right here. In the covenant of God's righteousness. Woo! Good God Almighty. Oh, man. About the breakdance. Amen. Praise God. So the Apostle Paul now breaks it down for us. And he says in Philippians 3, verse 9, And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. So the same faith that gave you a relationship with Jesus Christ is the same faith that's going to keep you in this covenant of righteousness that God has for you and I. Oh, we got to understand this covenant. This covenant is so deep. It's so deep. So this covenant works because of the finished work of Christ on the cross brought about this covenant. Write that down. So the finished work of Christ on the cross brought about this covenant. Teach it to your children. And they may not be living it now, but I'm telling you that word will go deep into them and they'll understand. It was the covenant. It was sorry, it was Christ and the work on the cross that brought about this covenant. It was Christ, the word that became flesh and dwelt among us, that came into the condition of sin, but yet knew no sin. Oh my God. God, that is so deep right there in that revelation, right? He who knew no sin became sin in that place of condition. Someone needs to hear this word of freedom right now. It's been too long. The devil hasn't beaten you up for so long, reminding you of your condition, and you have made it a category. Come on, somebody. You put a label on it, but God is saying here right now, God is saying you are free if you understand the covenant that he has available for you, this covenant of righteousness. Oh, my goodness. Okay, I'm just warming up. Amen, somebody. But, but these, these four things. These four things. These four things. And so he says now, watch this. Understand this. Understand. And I shared this, I think, last Sunday. And I shared it on Wednesday. We have to understand Israel and how important that nation of Israel is when it comes to the word of God. Now, from a political perspective, from a prophetic perspective, you have to understand. And if you live out the prophetic through the political, come on, you'll get your freedom. You understand covenant, right? And you'll see even a greater prosper prosperity and blessing for this nation so if you love this nation listen to what i'm saying because god has prescribed this right and so he says now there was a covenant that was given for the nation of israel that started through abraham that god himself selected abraham from you you can be the father of nations and he gives this understanding right and he says that those who pray for israel and those who protect israel that there will be a covenant blessing that's for them that was all from the perspective from a national uh, level, right? This was this is how those other nations would come, and those nations who blessed Israel, they prospered. The nations who didn't, they also were in defeat. That was a covenant 
that was a covenant that was there. And there's certain covenants that's connected for Israel that they as a nation have to understand that God has certain promises for them. But we now, as the Gentile nation, right, because of what Christ did, which is a greater covenant than the Abrahamic covenant or the Noah's covenant or, or any other covenant. The greatest covenant is the covenant of Jesus Christ. Why? Because here it was that as long as we were not from the nation of Israel, we were considered to be exiled. We were considered to be separate from the commonwealth of Israel. But what Christ came to do now was when he died and he got you from that condition of sin, he gave you access, not just to the court of Gentiles, thank you Holy Ghost, but he gave you access to the holies of holies. So in other words, if all the covenant that Abraham had brought prosperity and brought wealth, and if Christ and his covenant is greater than that covenant, and so now I get access, not just to the Abrahamic blessing, I get access to the blessing that comes through Jesus Christ. So if the nation of Israel thought they had it all together, oh my goodness, we also have greater resources, we have greater blessing in store for us, all because of the covenant of Jesus Christ. God wants you to know how rich you are. That's what he wants you to understand. And so he breaks it down here in Romans chapter 9. And he says, what shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness because they couldn't. They have attained it now. That is the righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. So in other words, they were trying to reach perfection. They were trying to reach the relationship with Jesus Christ, with with God, all through the law, 600 plus laws, and they couldn't do it. They couldn't do it. And here came the Gentiles who just accepted it by faith. We didn't have the legal system. We didn't have the sacrifice. All we had was God. Are you going to love us? He says, oh, yeah. Yeah. And look at this. A law that was established by one nation that kept us out. Through faith, we have access now to every single blessing that's there. And here's the proof of it right now. He says, why did Israel not receive the righteousness through the law? He says, why? Because they did not pursue it by faith, but it was based on works. They stumbled over Christ. They couldn't comprehend this God who came down for humanity. They want to see a military uh, conqueror that came and overthrow the Romans. And here he came now and he actually came and says, no, your condition is worse than what you think. It's not the bondage to Romans. It's the bondage to sin. And he comes and gets us out of that condition and we accept it by faith. Are you understand how powerful your faith in Jesus Christ really is? That when you came to an altar or you were in your home or wherever you were and you said, Jesus Christ, come into my heart. I believe with my mouth. I confess my mouth, excuse me. And I believe in my heart. What you just did by faith was you entered into a covenant that other nations, oh my goodness, would long to be in this covenant. Here you and I, we're part of this covenant now by faith. Pastor, what does that mean? Thank you for asking. Here's what it means. We go back and we look at uh, uh, Abraham. And we look at this thing called strong faith. And so in Romans chapter 4, and you got to read all of Romans, but we don't have time to, you know, to do that. We're going to look at Romans chapter 4, verse 19 to 22. And here it says that he did not weaken in faith. Who didn't weaken in faith? Abraham. He goes all the way back to the birth of this nation. He says he did not weaken in faith when he considered his own body, which was as good as dead since he was about 100 years old, or when he considered the barrenness of Sarah's womb. So in the natural, this was impossible. 
his circumstance made it seems like it's impossible. He's a hundred years old. And Sarah is old as well. And they're like, she can't produce anymore. And God in the midst of that situation says, you're going to have a child. What? You sure you heard from God? Because your circumstance is preventing from what God just said to happen. Oh, man. Talk about needing strong faith. And so here he goes now. He, no unbelief made him waver concerning what? The promise of God. Can we get on the screen? There it is. Yeah. Yeah. He staggered out the promise of God through unbelief, but was what? Strong in faith. How? It didn't happen yet, but look what Abraham was doing. He was giving God glory because the word of God was weightier than the womb. Come on, somebody. You're missing that. God was saying, my word will become that which I need it to become. So I'm not concerned about your natural realm. I'm speaking supernaturally. And if I give you a promise, the promise must come to pass. So the indication of strong faith, remember, you're, you're here in a condition of sin. He takes you out, Richie, and we're here. And what's the indication of strong faith? That we know that God, through Jesus Christ, has cut the cord right there. He has cut the cord. And he's promised he'll never uh, leave me. He'll never forsake me. That I'm right here. And I give God glory. I haven't seen all of it yet. But I'm giving God glory. It hasn't manifest yet. But I'm giving God glory. Why? Because God is not a man that he should lie. God's not a man that he should lie. Verse 21. Fully convinced. Or being fully persuaded. That what he had promised. He was also able to perform. Right? And in verse 22, that is why his faith was imputed or the word they used was counted to him as righteousness. So, so you see that? So here it is now that God has given a revelation of four things we find in this particular scripture, four things we find in the scripture, four things we, we see in Matthew, Mark, and Luke when Jesus says, let's get to the other side. What are those four things? Someone say, give me the four things, Pastor Rowe. Okay, so here it is. So first thing, faith is a decision to believe. Write that down. Faith is a decision to believe. And I quote, faith is a decision to believe. So in other words, faith is trust in God's word. You choose by an act of your will whether you will trust God to do what he says he will do. That's it right there. That's it right there. Faith is a decision to believe. To have God's word more weighty, right? So you're seated more weighty than what the circumstances of life is telling you. Because the just shall live by faith. So here are the four things. The four things, and you're familiar with these four things. But as you see them come together, this is where we're going we're gonna to launch you out with, with this now. So the first thing that happens is this, right? So, so Wendy, when you know you have strong faith, right? And when you have strong faith, Richie, right? You know, you know, strong faith, right? He cut the cord. You're in a place of covenant. Here's the first thing you have to understand, right? He took you out of the condition of sin, right? You're no longer there. I'm now seated in Christ Jesus. I'm right here. What should I experience then? Because when I was in the condition of sin, I experienced shame, guilt, remorse, all those things that were negative, that was horrible, that was, that was terrible. 
Now they took me out of there. The difference is now when you get into here, you don't feel, you don't experience a, a, a certain a certain experience that you did when you were in sin. Does that make sense? Moses said, I'd rather dwell and suffer with the people of God than dwell on the pleasure of sin for a season. So because when you're in sin, it's pleasurable. When you come out of it now, you come into God and you realize, where's the pleasure? And so your emotions are not connected with it, right? And so what you need then is this. The first thing he gives you when you have strong faith and when you meet other people and when you know they have strong faith, the first thing is this, is they have peace. Not as the world gives peace, they got a peace about them. Here's what they say. I belong here. When you have strong faith and you understand that the pull of sin no longer has any effect on you because now you're in this place of peace where you belong here. You belong here. You belong here. You're part of the ecclesia now. You're part of the church. You're part of the family. You belong here. He called you out of darkness. You belong here. Tell your neighbor, you belong here. That's why we have to create a safe place, right? Because you belong here. That's why we have to make sure it's passionate worship because you belong here. That's why we got to make sure that people thrive in a safe place. And we're preaching that Christ is the prosperity. Why? Because you belong here. Tell your neighbor you belong here. Tell your children you belong here. Come on, you belong here, you belong here, you belong here, you belong here. The Bible tells in Luke chapter 15 that a certain man had two sons. And so the enemy got a hold of this younger son and he comes and says, hey, I want all the resource that belongs to me. And he leaves the house and he goes to a place where the people, watch this now, he was a Jew, right? And the people that he connected with, the citizen says, we don't even want you to belong here. We want you to go... They said, go and eat and work with the pigs. That was an insult to a Jew. So what he was saying that nobody wanted you. That's what the enemy told him. Kid, nobody wants you. Nobody wants you. And that's how we feel when we come into some churches, right? They says, nobody wants you. Because of, of, of what you're wearing or, or because of how you smell or, or because of where you've been that nobody wants you. But I'm here to say, TGP, tell people you belong here. So what we do is we come and we get them. And we say, you don't belong. Come on, you belong here. You, you belong here. And, and, and they go, right? And so the first thing is you have peace. Let me give you a Bible, right? And so it says, it says this in Romans 5, verse 1 and 2. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we also obtain access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. So when you have peace and you're in the presence of God, you'll be like the angels, come on, that just cries out day and night, 24-7, God, you're worthy. God, you're worthy. You think worship is an act. Worship is a lifestyle. Come on, somebody. When you understand the peace of God that you have, I don't have to tell you to praise God. You'll just start praising God. Come on, somebody. Because I'm not nervous when you praise God. Because I have the peace of God. I'm in His presence. So your worship doesn't intimidate me. Your worship encourages me. Come on, somebody. And when I see you worshiping God, when all hell is breaking loose in your life, excuse me, you have a faith. You have a strong faith. You have this peace. I have access to God Almighty. I don't need the pleasures of this world. I have access to God. Someone say peace. Woo! Good God Almighty. Now, now how do I prove it with, with, with the evangelist? When Jesus, the storm came, he says, peace. 
to the natural realm. And if the natural realm has to obey God, how much more are you secure in the spiritual heavenly realm of the peace of God? They says, what manner of man is this? That even the wind and the waves obey him. Oh, you got to receive this this morning. You got to receive the peace of God, the shalom, nothing broken, nothing missing. You don't lack anything back in that condition. Right here when you're in front of God, you're in the presence of God. Don't look back over your shoulder. Don't be like Lot's wife. Don't look back over your shoulder and say, oh, I got to go get something back from that condition of sin. No, no, baby. Because in between where you are in your covenant and back in the condition, you'll live in condemnation. And God wants to break that off you because what God wants us to do and what God wants to bring this nation into, you cannot do it by being condemned. It won't work. We tried it for a hundred years. It didn't work. The peace. The second thing is the promise. Is the promise. Second Corinthians chapter one, verse 19, verse 24. For the son of God, excuse me, second Corinthians chapter one, verse 19 and verse 24. It says, for the son of God, Jesus Christ, who was preached among you by us, was not yes and no, but in him was yes. For all the promises of God in him are yes and in him amen to the what? To the glory of God. Are you getting this now? When you understand that you have the strong faith and you stand the righteousness of God, there's so much glory. There should be glory manifesting right now. If you're getting this word, give God glory. If you're getting this word, give God glory. If you're getting this word and you know your righteousness, give God glory. If you know that you're in a righteous place with God, give God glory. There should be so much glory in this place right now. Come on. Give him glory. Give him glory give him glory the third thing is this is that when you're in covenant and you have the peace of God and you have the promise of God is I'll never leave you I'll never forsake you you'll look back over that place see that's where young people Amy's trying to get them to go right back in that place again but you said I'm so focused and I have such a strong faith that I'm looking at Here's what God says now, because of this grace, you now have the power to give him glory. You have the power because of grace to give him glory. He's not asking you to do something you can't do. He already took care of that in the condition of saying you couldn't do a jack, you couldn't do anything. But because of this grace now that moves you and just literally catapults you over condemnation right into a covenant now. He says with this covenant, you have peace and you have a promise and now you have power. You have the power to live right. You have the, you have the power to speak to things. You, you have, you have the power now. Where you once felt powerless and hopeless, you now have power to be hopeful. I don't think the church has fully grasped the concept of giving God glory. If we fully understand what it means to give God glory and we have the strong faith, things will happen just as we just just utter Jesus. Woof. It would take all this work. Just say Jesus. Woof. Can I teach us real quick? When they came to arrest Jesus, they walked in and they says, hey, hey, where's this Jesus Nazareth? And he said, here am I. Boom, they fell back. He said, okay, let's try this again. Uh, we're, we're here for Jesus. He says, it is I. And the power of his word pushed them back like this. And if you are in Christ, come on. 
And you have the peace to know that you can speak. And you know that you have the promise from God to speak. When you open your mouth, the power of God is released. And the devour has to be pushed back again. Come on. So the only reason why the enemy is not destroyed yet is because the works that he's doing in your flesh is crucifying your flesh so more of your faith can rise. He is not equal to God in power. He's not even close. He's not the opposite of God as Satan. What are you talking about? He literally is destroyed because of the cross. And he's only around because he eats of the flesh. We were taken from the dirt, from the ground. And the serpent was cursed into the ground. Come on, son. So he eats away at your flesh so that your faith can be strengthened. So every time he manifests, God is saying, stay in the peace and in the promise and in the power and you'll see my glory. And you'll see my glory. Come on, give him glory, give him glory, right away, give him glory, give him glory, you're so close, give him glory, give him glory, come on, come on, give him glory, give him glory, give him glory, we got a couple minutes, give him glory, give him glory, he's strengthening your faith right now, come on, you're in the presence of God, you're in this covenant with God, give him glory, TGP, give God glory! And so, and I quote, so Abraham gave God, gave glory to God by demonstrating full satisfaction. Ready for this? That God's power. Someone say God's power. Say God's power. Someone say what's equal. Over here say to his promise. <laughs> so when you give him glory, you're saying God's power. And you're saying it's equal. And you're saying to his promise. And when you put it together, God gets glory. Because one group is saying, God, power. Another group is saying, it's equal to his promise. Because the same God who gave the promise has the ability to perform it. Only God can do that. No human being, nobody else has that ability to declare a thing and bring it to pass. No, not even the enemy can do that. Give him glory. 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 Come on. Come on, give him glory before we get to the queue. Come on, somebody. Give him glory. Before we get to Cleveland, give him glory. Don't just wait for the date of the event. Give him glory. So when we step into the dome, come on, somebody. Here's why you have to give him glory. Because when LeBron James is playing and the Cleveland Cavaliers are playing in, in their stadium, you're giving them glory. And there may be residue of that in the stadium. Come on, somebody. And God says, I will compare with nobody. I don't want you walking and be mesmerized because you've never probably been to the queue before. Come on, somebody. Couldn't afford the ticket or get a ticket to go see King James play. So you may walk in there and in the flesh still, oh my gosh, this is where he plays. And God is saying, I want you to give me glory. So if you give him glory in advance, come on, you'll step into that place. 
And you may say, hold on a second. You want greater than LeBron James is here. That I was already giving God glory on Sunday. Come on. I don't got to wait till everybody gets here. I've already been giving God glory. Why? Because I got peace. I have a promise from God. And I have the power of God. Are you ready for the last one? And this is where we're living as a church. This is where we all are. This is where we are. McKenna, this is where you are. See, it's not, it's not popular. That's not the last one. Because what I'm teaching is not popular. It's actually discouraged. It doesn't take all that. You, you, you don't have to do all that for God. Just, just do your 60 minutes and be out of here. Just come and do your worship and get out of here. You don't need all this. That's what's being encouraged now. Because we got things to do. And we got places to go. I'm not minimizing that. But what I'm telling you is that there is a dimension of God that he wants to bring us into that can't be accomplished just 60 minutes. No, no, no. I don't know about you, but I, I need a word from God daily. I, I, I've got children I'm trying to pastor. Come on, I'm trying to parent. i got to depend on the Holy Ghost. I can't do this thing. There's no way I can do this thing in my own power. There's no way. I try to manipulate. I try to get some marketing scheme. I try to do something, right, to get a crowd. If I don't understand that I'm in a covenant with Christ. I try to manipulate you. I try to bring guilt on you. And I'm free of that. Someone say, thank God. Here's why I'm here. Here's what the strong faith is. We've told the story over and over and over again, but here's why. Here's why. Because over 16 years ago, almost 17 years ago, by faith, I got on a Greyhound bus. And it landed me in this city. And a prophetic word was spoken over my life and over my wife's life. And for over 16, 17 years, God said, will you rest in the peace of that word? It didn't come to pass it, but will you rest in the peace of that word? And will you remain in that promise? Because I've given you the power. Because here's why. Here's why. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 18 and verse 20, the Apostle Paul now launches into this. I want you to get this. Because when you come to the altar this morning, you're coming because of this. You're coming because of this. No guilt, no shame, and you care what people say about you. You're going to leave your seat physically because you're going to come to this altar because of this right here. This right here. 1 Timothy chapter uh, number 1, verse 18, 20. Can you put it on the board? It says, this charge I commit unto thee, my son Timothy. This charge I commit unto you. This charge, this charge, this charge. This charge of peace, this charge of the promise and the power. It says, I commit this unto you, Timothy, to a generation. I commit this to you. According to the prophecies which went before on thee. That by, ready, the last one is the prophetic. 
It said it's because of a prophetic call on your life why this warfare is taking place. So what happens is this. Yeah, we're in the presence of God. We have his peace. And we're in the presence of God because we have a promise. And we're in the presence of God. We have his power. But all of a sudden, a prophetic word comes. And he's like, I don't like that. And all fury of hell comes on you because of the prophetic word. And so we quench the prophetic because we don't want to deal with the demonic. Oh, gosh. We don't believe what was spoken over us. Because we're afraid of the prophecies that are over us. Because now we have to make a decision. Will I believe God? Think about where churches would be right now. From the prophetic promises that were spoken over those churches. If it was believed by a group of people to give God glory, where that church would be. There are so many people out in this world that don't know Jesus. That there's not enough churches in Marion to fill all if they all came in. So the issue is not the harvest. The issue is our hearing. Are we hearing the prophetic promises of God? Do we believe he has the power to bring those prophecies to pass? And so here he is now and he says to Timothy, he says, because of those things, right, you're going to wage this, this, this warfare that's going to take place. So here let me tell you now, right, verse 19. Now let's go to verse 19. He says, hold in faith. Get a hold of it. Hold in faith. We're finished. Hold in faith. And what's the next thing after that? And a what? Oh. If you feel condemned or you're in a condition, you can't have a good conscience when you're in front of God's presence. So he said, I'm going to hold on to God. I'm going to be like that woman that got to his feet, and I'm going to hold on. Can I teach this thing, man? The woman who realized that her son had died, had a headache, and the father says, bring her to her mother, and she died. And she said to Elisha, the prophet, she says, stand up the horse and don't slow down for me. And she rides, and when she gets to the prophet, she gets a hold of his feet. And she holds on like this. Your son is dead. No, he's not. I'm holding on to a prophetic promise from God. Whew. Come on. Some of your dreams are dead and you're sitting there mourning and you're crying over and God says, no, 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 baby. You can't stay in that condition. You need to get up from that place. Get up from that place where you think that you don't belong. Someone told you you don't belong here. Someone told you your dreams are nothing. Someone talked you out of the promises of God. But I'm here to tell you, it's time to dry your eye. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy is coming in the morning time. It's time for you to saddle your transportation. Saddle your vehicle and get a hold of that prophetic word and grab a hold of that word. And even though the servant may say what's her issue the prophet will say no there is something she needs oh I feel the Holy Ghost now in this place there is something you need and God is saying and I prophesy every right now if you give me glory I'll bring every prophetic promise to pass every head bowed every eyes closed if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus, you're living in a condition of sin. Hear me now, those listening to Facebook Live. We're going to teach sin. We're going to teach it because people need to know that being in that condition of sin is not healthy for you. It's not healthy for your family. It's not healthy for those you connect with. Sin will destroy you. 
For those who are right here, you're in this place of condemnation. You're in this place of con- because because you're between two opinions. You're between the opinion of men and you're there between the conviction of God. And he's saying you're sitting right here now and it's tiresome and you're weary and you're getting weak. But he says move from that place of condemnation. Come into this place now of a covenant. And that starts with you confessing Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And if you're watching by, by, by way of Facebook Live and you haven't, you don't know Jesus, accept Jesus Christ right now as your Lord and Savior. And if you're here and you don't know Jesus, that's the first thing. You have to accept that relationship with Jesus Christ. And then the second thing is this. It's now time for you to understand the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God. So here it is now with my three minutes left. Here's what, here's what we want to do. God wants and requires of us to give him glory. If you have a prophetic promise from God, I want you to change your posture right where you've been throughout this whole two hours. And I want you for these next two or three minutes to find your place at this altar. And I want a time, and I'm believing God wants, not me, that God wants us to give him glory, not because we're unassured or because we have no security or because we don't know what we're talking about, but we know that we have peace with God, that we belong. And I want you to declare and praise God because even before you leave this place, the promise of God can come to pass. Right now, that financial breakthrough, you can get home and there is a financial answer. That marriage or whatever that situation is, I believe before you leave here, God can restore it all because of the power of walking in this life of faith. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Give him glory. 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 Come on, give him glory. Give him glory. That's it, Alexander. Give him glory. Give him glory. Come on, give him glory. Give him glory for your generation, McKenna. Come on. Give him glory. 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 You have the peace to belong here. You have the peace of God. You belong here. You have the peace of God. Don't let the devil lie. You don't have the peace of God. Come on. You have the peace of God. Hey, glory to God. Glory to God. You belong. You belong. You belong. Mighty man of God, you belong. Mighty man of God. Come on, warfare. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Come on. Come on. Worship him. Worship him. Worshiping Pastor Tim, come on, I want you to pray a prayer of faith over us, amen, and just declare hallelujah. Praise God. Declare his goodness. Come on. Come on, cry out, cry out, cry out. Cry out. I believe, I believe, I believe. Strong faith. Hey, Masha, strong faith. Strong faith. Strong faith. That's it, that's it, that's it. Oh, my, 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 my. Healing. Healing through our hands, Jesus. Yeah, God. Father, we thank you for this faith. Father, your word says in Romans, being convinced 
being convinced that you can and will do all things through us. Father, I thank you as I look around this room. Father, I see I see men and women that you have predestined. Men and women that you have called, Father, who, who may be struggling a little bit right now. But Father, you've placed in their presence Pastors Roe and Megan, Father, and they are, they live Romans 8. 38, 39, Father, they are convinced that nothing, nothing can separate them from that calling and from that love of Jesus that you have placed on them, Father. And I pray, Father, they continue to stand firm in that. And I thank you for that, Father. They're an an example, Father, of how we're to walk. The faith that they have, Father. Father, I just see you. You're just showing me right now that that they're going to see things happen just like Peter. The power that Peter walked in because he was in your presence, Father. That when they walk by people, just their shadow is going to bring healing, Father. Father, you do honor the time that they spend in your presence. And Father, I pray that others see that example and they have that same desire, that desire to to be in your face, Father. Humbly before you. That resting place. Father, right now, as as we're in your presence and and we're just drawing on you, Father, and we're drawing that faith, Father, and we're building that faith up inside. Father, I pray that, that everyone that's up here right now will just release to you their heart's desire. Seven thousand promises in the Bible. You have to have one that you can stand on. One that you can stand on. One that you can look at God and say, It is written. It's not even a battle. It's a simple proclamation. It is written. And then be fully persuaded that God will answer that without wavering. Father, we just bless Your presence here right now. The work that You're doing, Father, I thank You for that. 
Father, I can feel the faith in here. Your presence. I thank You that You are a man of Your Word. When all else fell, we know that You are there. Father, that we, we walk away when we turn our back. We know all we have to do is turn around and You're right there with us. Your promise is You never leave us nor forsake us. So we say yes and amen today. We are not afraid. Because we know it is the power of God that walks before us. Thank you, Father. We thank you, Father. We just simply thank you, Father. We thank you for your love. your very presence. Father, we thank You that everything You say comes to pass. Father, as pastors Rhoda and Megan open up this building Friday night to start praying, Father, for this nation, Father, I pray that your presence would just be so heavy here. That your glory would fill this place, Father. And whoever walks in this building Friday night, Father, will not leave Saturday morning the same. That they will be changed, Father. They will see your face. That they will feel your presence. That they will know your love. That they will be empowered, Father. I pray for boldness to come over them, Father. A boldness, Father, that they would not be ashamed or afraid to speak Your name in the presence of anyone. Father, that even if they're Walmart, Rule King, Kroger, wherever they're at, Father, it doesn't matter that they're open that their eyes are open and they see people for, for how You see them, Father. And they're not afraid to take that chance and pray, Father. To reach out their hand, Father. To touch others, Father. And to share what they have inside of them. You know, Pastor Rome was talking about we get out of the out of the sin into that condemnation, and, and a lot of times that's what stops us from doing what God's called us to do. Oh God, you can't use me. Oh God, I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. I can't hear. 
can't walk in Pastor Rowan's shoes. And thank God for that. Because we can't hear. We can't do. We don't want to walk in Pastor Rowan's shoes because you don't want to pay the price he's paid to get there. But when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you allow Him to guide and direct you, that's when it happens. That's when it happens. We have a, I have a really close friend. He's only been a Christian about a few months now. And he's really learning. He's, he's hungry. He's hungry. And he's hungry now like we should be. Doesn't matter how long you've been a Christian, you should you should have that same hunger from the first day that you accepted Christ. But he went to he was telling me a couple weeks ago he went to a grocery store and before he got out of his car he heard God say there are hips in there there are hips in there so so he gets out of his car he's like no way he said. He said he put his earbuds in. He thought he was going to call his mom, talk to his mom. Some fear. So he's uh, he's in in the store and he's getting his groceries and he's hearing God. There's hips in here. And he's like, No, God, <laughs> no. Gets his uh, groceries. He's up at the checkout line and and God tells him. He says, She's right behind you. So he looks. There was a woman behind him, and he did that, you know, that nice smile and nod. And he turned back around, and he thought, come on, God, I just want to get out of here. There's hips behind you. So, he turns around. Now, you have to, you have to, you have to picture this in your, in your mind here. This brother I'm talking about, he come out of the occult, satanic, a mason, He's a tattoo artist. He has tattoos from his cheek to his toes. And now he's going to turn around because God's telling him to do something. He's going to turn around to a stranger, a woman. And he asked her, he said, you know, I hate to ask this, but are you having a problem with your hips? And she said, no. So he turned back around and he thought, oh, man. But you know what? God didn't let it stay there. He didn't let it stay there because that woman, as he was checking out, she said, you know what? I do have I do have a problem with my hip. Okay? I do have a problem. So he was hearing, just like everyone that's in here. Every one of us hear from God. We have a choice to make. We'll fight it. We will fight it. But God, He lays it out before us. So, Brett was like, you know, I'm a Christian. Looking like he does. I'm a Christian. So now he's not, now he's, now he's not afraid. I'm a Christian. And, and I believe God is telling me that you don't pray enough for yourself. Now remember, God told him hits. <laughs> So now God's talking. Now He's going to start prophesying. I believe God's telling me, you pray for a lot of people, but you don't pray for yourself. She was like, you're right. 
He said, well, you know, God's just saying, you need to spend more time with Him. You need to spend more time in His presence. And it's great to pray for other people. It's great to have that heart. But you can only do that when you spend time in His presence. So Brett turned back around, paid for his groceries, walked out to his car, didn't pray for the woman. Prophesied, didn't pray. God told him there were hips in there. You're going to be praying for these hips. <laughs> he gets out to his car. He's putting his groceries in his car. And this lady walks out. And she goes, hey, would you pray for my hips? Obedient. Being obedient. So don't be condemned for the ones that you've passed. Don't walk in that. Walk in the faith knowing that God is going to place somebody else before you and you're going to be able to lay hands on them. You will have the faith. Because you walk in that power. Allow that faith to rise up. Allow that obedience to take over that wipes away that fear. Romans 8. Neither death, nor nor angels, nor powers, nor principalities will ever separate you. So don't allow yourself to do that same thing. That's the only one that left out in Romans was yourself. Don't allow yourself to do that. Father, we just bless these people this morning, Father. Your children, we bless them, Father. And I thank You that You have have placed Your presence in them, Father. And I ask, Father, that wherever they're at, that they will glow with Your presence. That they will walk in, in humility and power, Father, with a boldness that just will overwhelm anyone that's around them, Father. Fully convinced, fully persuaded, Father, that You are a God of Your Word. And we thank You for that. We just bless Your holy name, Father. Amen. Thank you, Pastor Tim. Come on, give God glory. Father, in Jesus' name, thank You. Thank You. Praise God. Amen. And TGP, thank You for giving God the time to work. Amen. Thank You for staying and allowing God to work. Hey, listen, you have strong faith. There is peace. There's a promise. There's a power and the prophetic. What a testimony to seal the deal that God is saying. That's how you're going to walk this week. So remember, thanks for confirming that. It's not a harvest issue. It's a hearing issue because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. It's not a harvest issue. It's a hearing issue. And we're going to be listening to God all this week. Father, come on. Hold your ears right here. Hold it right here. Father, I thank you that we'll listen to your word. Because we're in covenant with you. That's it. That's it. That's it. There's people who need to know peace. There's people who need to know the promise. People who need to have the power. And I walk in the prophetic in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now, when God speaks to you, you obey and you see it. Call me. Let me know. Tell somebody. Amen. Praise God. Father, bless the children. Bless Pastor Kelly and all the children in the joy of the Lord. God bless you. We will see you on Friday at 10. We'll see you on Wednesday, but we'll see you on Friday at 10 for a time of intercession. God bless you. Greet someone in the Enjoy the Lord and have a great day. Amen.